executive of the bean juice sounds like you work at a sex factory. If Bun Bun digs in the litter, I will turn her into a hat. That's going to be a pretty big hat. Uh, fat joke, sorry, Bun. Last time she made it so hard to edit. We were doing a Patreon episode and she was scrabbling in her litter and just going... <laughs> oh my god. That's what the people want to hear. They want to hear high-pitched, repetitive, scratchy, terrible noises. I think it's some people's ASMR. It could be like a digging out of your own grave ASMR. Yeah. Coffins on wood. Oh, this is yeah. so sexy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm, that's what sends me right off to sleep. Well, in our masturbation episode, didn't they say, imagine yourself lying dead in your own coffin so that you can get to sleep without jerking it? So yeah. we are the next Kellogg. Yes. <gasps> so this is like, it's not a sleep aid or anything. It's an anti-masturbation aid. Yes. You just play Great. it. And listening to the soothing sounds of your nails scraping against the splinters of your coffin. Also just our horrible, like, bog hag, harrowed and shrieking voices. Well, I mean, that turns my partner on. But, you know, it might work uh, the other way mm. for other people. You're right. Well, everything is someone's thing, you know, and, you know, we're not here to judge. Get get after it. Oh, uh, now I just want to do that all day. Like... <laughs> <laughs> audio poison. Audio poison. We want people to listen to this. Let's, <laughs> let's make it nice instead. Jess and I have just been singing sea shanties for undisclosed reasons for the past mm. hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> And I think we need to go to the pub, get drunk, and sing she, she shanties together when the end times are over. I think we should. We should become the next Dreadnoughts. What's our pirate band name going to be? I've just been calling us the Shanty Crew this whole time, but we can find something else. Yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, I can't think of anything off the cuff. You're going to... I'll say something really clever and you'll have to edit out like the 45 minutes that it took <laughs> for me to get there. And stop. <laughs> Speaking of being trapped in your grave for however long it takes you to gasp at your final dying breath. Yeah. The death sentence. <laughs> oh, great. And also speaking of your last dying breath, this is everything is awful forever. Oh, fuck. Yes, we still need to introduce this, don't we? <laughs> Why do you like every single fucking time you're like, oh, God, we need to introduce it. I've got the memory of a goldfish, Jess. Why do you think I'm running a podcast instead of lecturing at Oxford? <laughs> <laughs> they notice when you're at Oxford. This is Everything is Awful Forever, podcast where the past is bad, let's laugh at it. I'm Jessica Byrne. I'm Philippa Evans, and I think I was just too excited to talk about killing people to introduce this podcast. That's right. We're all done. We're professional, and I'm ready to hear about the death sentence. So I've been wanting to do an episode on executioners for some time now, and the weird places that they occupied in society and the public imagination. But but before I do, I thought we could briefly look at public execution itself. Mm -hmm. Really, I just got distracted by reading about people killing people. And I was like, well, this is going to be an episode now. So executing criminals has been a form of punishment in most societies up until quite recently. 
And for most of that time, those execute. I'm, I'm going to really struggle with this today. Yeah. Those executions were public. Britain only banned public execution in 1868, mm. and the United States in 1936. America, come on! It's like some countries will still have not public executions, but like executions. It's crazy. Like in Japan, I think it's by hanging. Like that, they still hang people. Well, in Saudi Arabia, I think public execution still is a thing. Public? Oh, fuck. Wow. Correct me if I'm wrong, Twitter. But if I remember what I was reading, I think it was actually public execution. And I mean, with America, large crowds are still invited to watch the death penalty being carried out. So I think that oh for them, God. the lines between public and private are actually still a little bit blurry. Yeah, I mean, I would I would call that public if people could go and look at it. That's public. Mm -hmm. If it's not just law enforcement in a room with the person being killed. Yes. Yep. Yes. Public. If the families involved and journalists and, I don't know, school children are allowed into the public excuse. <laughs> It's still public. That's public. That's public. America, you're wrong. Stop it. I think it goes without saying that we're both against the death sentence, but it's not going to be something that we're going to cover at all in this episode. Yeah, we're against it, but we're going to hear about how it was fun and good in the old times. <laughs> Yay. Fun and good. So all of societies welcomed the crowds. I mean, executing criminals behind closed doors. Savage. No. People could lie. You could just say like, uh, I did kill them. And they'd be like, but there's Tommy serial killer walking around the streets. What did you do? And that's his brother, Tony, with an N in instead of, it's his twin. Shut up. Also, are you, are you two serial killers in a trench coat? No. <laughs> <laughs> and then like, but you're stabbing me. No, I'm not. How is, how is your arm coming out where your penis should be? I just have a prehensile penis. <laughs> and then everyone's like, oh, penis joke. Oh, penis hand penis joke. <laughs> You're laugh. so hilarious. <laughs> so all the societies were against the idea of depriving the public of a good spectacle. I mean, are you a freaking <laughs> monster just hiding the good stuff from us? Yeah, there's no TV. So what else are you going to do? More than entertaining the public public executions fulfill a number of functions. It allowed the condemned to make their final statement, sometimes. It also allowed the state to send out a message regarding its power and the laws that its citizens must uphold, or else. And it was entertaining as fuck. Both Nigel Cawthorn and Stephen Banks, whose books I used for this, in addition to some others that I'll put on the Goodreads group, they refer to public execution as a theatre of punishment. Ooh. And it's not only due to the entertainment that it provided and the performative nature of the execution, but also because the means by which people were executed was loaded with symbolism. I'm going to touch on a number of cultures in this episode, but I thought that I'd keep the focus to forms of execution used in England, because we, we're kind of in England. I mean, I am English, so that is, you know, kind of relevant to me. And this is my way of just both shaming and praising you for your people's ingenuity. That's all I ever want from you. If you do enjoy this episode, though, and want to hear about other forms of executions employed by other cultures across time... Let us know on Twitter at Awful Forever Pod. I'm just saying it was very difficult to leave out crucifixions. Oh, They're so yeah. good and horrifying. And yeah. the uh, auto de fe killings in Spain under the Inquisition, absolutely awful. But that's kind of our gimmick if you're new to the podcast. <laughs> 
<laughs> Which leads nicely into a little disclaimer for this episode. It's about people being murdered in very gruesome ways, and it's just not possible for me to include a content warning before every single horrifying death that I'm going to cover. So I'm just saying that I'm going into some graphic descriptions in this episode, sometimes using eyewitness accounts. If you don't think it's for you, I recommend trying out episode 57, which is about Victorian sex cults. Minimum gore. Yeah. Maximum sex. What more could you want? Or just, you know, chase the one with the other and just really get your jollies out. Yeah, it's kind of like when the Studio Ghibli film Grave of the Fireflies came out, which is the most depressing film in the entire universe. Then they followed it up with My Neighbor Totoro to be like, <laughs> it's okay. Look, cute thing, children lovely. Please don't go home and just cry in a corner forever. Please stop rocking back and forth. Look, a duckling! Yay! <laughs> so first up, we have beheading or decapitation, which comes from the Latin de capitare, with caput meaning head. And it's where we get phrases like capital punishment or capital crime. So crimes for which the punishment is one's noggin. That's mm. how it's written in legal texts and you can't tell me I'm wrong. Noggin. You're noggin off when it's noggin off time. Beheading as a form of execution has been used around the world and from the beginning of civilization. The first known depiction of decapitated corpses comes from 3000 BCE from the Nama palette which was discovered in Egypt. Cultural perception of it also vary, so the Greeks, Romans, and English thought it was a dignified way to die, especially if it was done using a sword instead of an axe. Yeah. And keeping in mind that the alternatives were things like crucifixion or being hung, drawn, and quartered, I'm with them. <laughs> During La French Revolution, beheading by guillotine was very egalitarian. It was the only legal form of execution used for people of all classes. Why should it be only the rich who get to have their heads chopped off? They were like Oprah giving out cars. You get your head chopped. You get your head chopped. Everybody gets your head chopped. Look under your seat. There's a guillotine. How did that work? Did it like fire the blade upwards somehow or something? <laughs> well, you have to check under your seat. And so I think okay. there was a blade oh. attached to the bottom. Right. So like you check under your seat, headlocks in place. Cling. Justice. And if Oprah steals this idea from us, we are suing. <laughs> TM, TM, TM. <laughs> For cultures that regard dismemberment as a potential hindrance to a happy afterlife, such as in China, it might not be the preferred way to go. Although there were worse alternatives, like death of a thousand cuts, if I ever did uh, another execution episode. What? Oh my god, now I want to hear about that. But no, decapitation is fine. <laughs> it's it's all fine. Fine, sure. Tell me about this stupid head off, whatever. In Japan, decapitation was considered to be a degrading form of punishment, with samurai beheading soldiers who were considered to be cowardly. And even in cultures that considered decapitation to be dignified, you could still tweak the humiliation levels. Like, in England, it was customary to kneel at the cutting block, which was usually just a piece of tree trunk that was about two feet high. You'd kneel in front of it, rest your head on it. But when Charles I was executed, he was made to lie down at a block that was just 10 inches tall. Oh my god. When he put his head down on it, he was like, can't this be higher? And the executioner went, it can be no higher. <laughs> Giving him sass at the end. So great was the people's hatred of Charles I that his body was cannibalized after his death, with people drinking his blood in sheer hatred. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I want to, you know, I want to hate drink. I want to hate cannibalize someone. It's like when you hate baking, but instead <laughs> you're, you know, hate eating 
your friend. I think I mentioned this in one of our cannibalism episodes that it is not uncommon for people to just eat corpses out of sheer fury. And I think I felt that level of anger before. Definitely. I definitely have also. When people walk too slowly in front of you, you're like, I could rip out your heart <laughs> and eat it in front of your children. Yeah. When people stop at the top of stairs or in doorways to talk, it's like, this is a thoroughfare. I am going to eat your liver. <laughs> or when they just stop and turn around like there was nobody behind them. What yeah. are you, a tourist? <laughs> and probably, and if you're a tourist, I just want to just want to have a like a human flank from you. Just <laughs> take a chunk out of your thigh. We are not struggling with anger management issues in any way, shape, or form. And anything you hear about our therapy is vastly overblown. It's all going well. We're fine. <laughs> Good. So the most important question to consider when selecting your preferred form of execution is. What's my best side? And how do I display it to maximum? F I mean, how much is this going to hurt? Both those things. Equally important. Yeah. What's going to look good for the gram? And what's going to be swift or cool? With beheading, it depends. If the head came off just after one blow, then it was probably one of the most humane forms of execution. Boring. Mm, the victim would die within seconds. Severe shock and a fatal loss of blood pressure would just see to that. But what haunted me as a child when I read about death by beheading, because I was quite morbid at the age of eight, were the stories of victims whose eyes and mouths continued to move after their heads were removed. <laughs> like Anne Boleyn, whose lips were said to still move in prayer, so sharp was the sword that removed her head. We can just scream after every... It's believed that there's enough oxygen in the brain to allow a severed head to function just a little bit longer after decapitation, a few minutes. And Fuck. one can only hope that said brain is no longer conscious. Nobody's tried asking the head, I assume. I mean, I get that it doesn't have vocal cords anymore, but it could blink once for yes. And, you know, <laughs> save little Philippa's years of nightmares hundreds of years down the line. Are you okay in there, Mary? Blink twice. <laughs> Anne, is Henry still, do you still love him even though he, ah, oh, she's gone, shit. <laughs> I think it was yes, my lord. So if the axe or sword was blunt, on the other hand, several chops would be necessary and death would be slow since it would be the spinal column being shattered oh, rather than cut in two. That's just so brutal. It took three hits to sever the head of Mary's Queen of Scots. Oh, shit. With the first blow hitting her in the back of the head. Her servants apparently heard her say sweet Jesus after that hit, which is much oh. more polite than I would be in that situation. Yeah. <laughs> Motherfucker! Jesus! Shit! Ticks box to mark podcast as explicit. <laughs> her lips are reported to have moved for 15 minutes after death, probably still swearing at the headsman. Like you lean close and it's like, is that, is that goddamn piece of shit fucking mother words? <laughs> Her last words were, um, redacted. <laughs> of the 99 beheadings that took place in England between 1388 and 1747, only eight of those took place within the Tower of London itself, which, because they were very high-profile cases, still very well attended, but not open to the rabble. <laughs> the proletariat couldn't gawk and throw peanuts. <laughs> this was golden circle execution. And these victims met their deaths with... 
varying degrees of dignity. Henry VIII's wife, Catherine Howard, committed adultery and was sentenced to decapitation by axe. No sword for her. Oh, shit. That's what you do when you cheat on Hazard Eight. She was so scared that she wouldn't be able to face the block with dignity that she asked to spend her final night with it in her room, laying her head down upon it so that she could work up the courage to face her death. Oh my god, that's metal as fuck. And she did, with with much composure. Whereas Margaret Pohl, on the other hand, who was also sentenced to death by Hazard 8, refused to put her head on the block, saying that it was reserved for traitors, of which she was not one. According to eyewitnesses, she told the headsman that if he would have her head to get it off best he could, and then the executioner had to chase her around the block, swinging his axe wildly, <laughs> which sounds hilarious. While Benny Hill music was playing. <laughs> it was just that, you know, she died by horrible mutilation, because he kept yeah. missing the neck. I don't know if, like, I, I'm sorry if I'm jumping the gun here, but weren't a lot of executioners drunk? because it was such a horrible thing to do that they had to like be drunk and like get the courage. This will be something that I'll cover in in the next episode mm. on executions. But it was right. it was really hard on them. A lot of the time the executioner didn't want to kill the person. Like Sir Thomas More, the most extra of decapitation yes. victims, also sentenced to death by Henry VIII. The, yeah, he he chopped a lot of oak. So Moore tried to wear his finest silk gown to his execution, but was warned to change out of it because it was the executioner's right to keep the clothes of the deceased. Mm. And you want to keep your your nice stuff in the family. And it was written down that the executioner knelt down and begged Moore's forgiveness. Because oh. sometimes... The executioner, as I said, just really didn't want to, which Moore happily gave, saying, Pluck up thy spirits, man, and be not afraid to do thy office. I'm sorry my neck is short, therefore strike not awry. Oh my god, he's like pepping up the executioner and be like, You you got, Jeff, you got this, you can do it. And he's like, Oh, I don't know, it's me fur, I'm a bit nervous. Like, Jeff, come on, you can. <laughs> You know, remember some kind of like fancy quote from a motivational poster and just kill me, you got this. Like the executioner said to his victim, just hang in there. <laughs> Come on, mate. <laughs> just as the axe was about to swing, Moore went, wait, <laughs> probably doing tons for the executioner's nerves, saying, I pray you let me lay my beard over the block, yet lest ye should cut it. Pity that should be cut that has not committed treason. So he was just like, spare the beard, spare the beard, my friend. I've been growing it for a long time. It's really nice. And, you know, <laughs> it's not its fault that it's attached to my traitor's face. So it's okay. So Walter Raleigh was also pretty extra. He was sentenced to the axe by James I in 1618, and his execution was very well attended. When a friend complained that he couldn't get near the scaffold due to the crowd, Raleigh apparently said, I know not what shift you will make, but I am sure to have a place. <laughs> and I really just want this episode to be about badass, sassy English people sentenced to death. I love it. I think I would, because I've got nothing left to lose. So I'd just be as sassy as fuck, just kind of like make it a show, throw some glitter out. <laughs> Raleigh was full of banter from the jail to the scaffold, like non-stop one-liners all the way to death. Ah, oh, it's a true English lad. Bants, you got the bants going on. The archbitch <laughs> of Banterbury is here. <laughs> Everyone that visited him got a quip. Yay. Kind of gruesomely, after his beheading, his wife kept his head with her for 29 years. Fuck. <laughs> Which you do you. 
Lady Raleigh? Mm-hmm. So in the 1680s, every person sentenced to death by beheading was afraid that they might be allocated Jack Ketch as their executioner, who was so barbarously incompetent that headsmen for the next 200 years would be given his name. His name also became a proverb for death and Satan. Hmm. Life goals right there. Believe in your dreams. <laughs> When Charles I's grandson, the Duke of Monmouth, was on the scaffold, he gave Jack six guineas, that's about 800 pounds today, saying, Pray do your business well. Do not hack me as you did Lord Russell. I've heard you <laughs> struck him three or four times. If you strike me twice, I cannot promise not to move. My servant will give you some more gold if you do the work well. Oh. <laughs> Way to not make someone really nervous. I know. Jack's first swing inflicted only a flesh wound, after which Monmouth stood up, looked at Jack Hatch, and shook his head in disappointment. <laughs> Just going, come on, come on, man. This is your job. You have one job, and it's to chop. Gravity does most of the fucking work. Come on. <laughs> what did I just fucking tell you, Jack? <laughs> you don't get the lollipop. It's gone now. I was going to give you a treat, and you don't get that now. How do you feel? <laughs> bad, my lord. Oh, no, now I feel bad for Ketch. So after three strokes, Monmouth was dead, and Ketch tried to just give up because he was like, I can't chop this guy anymore. <laughs> Somebody else needs to chop this man because I'm too anxious. But the crowd threatened to kill him if he didn't finish the job, and so he took between five and eight strokes to kill Monmouth. I'll finish this section by saying that the last decapitation by axe in England was in 1747. In Germany, it was in 1935. Oh. And it was Hitler who ultimately banned decapitation by axe in 1938. Oh, you know, he was an all right lad in the end, wasn't he? <laughs> I mean, you win some, you lose some. Like, some some character flaws. Yeah, I know. Like, you do one thing wrong, and that's all anyone talks about. They don't talk about the good things. Like, he had a dog, and he was a painter, you know? There's some mansplainer out there going, Oh, actually, he was a vegetarian as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, before we all lose our heads, yes. shall we sneak off to the workhouse? Uh, let's do... have built a guillotine. Oh my god. Well done, Timmy. Good job, Oliver. While we hide from the revolution, I have something very important to tell you, Jess. Please tell me. Podcasts. They're pretty cool. You and I have been known to dabble. Yeah. And I think that one of the great things about living in the 2020s is that everybody can dabble should they so choose. The choose, even. Choose. Yeah. I choose to it a lot. <laughs> Anyone can get their voice out, even voices that say choose. And what better time than the end times? Yes. If you're thinking it's now or never, the world needs to hear my detailed opinions on Mads Mickelson, and trust me, we do. Yes then you're going to need a podcast host. Jess and I use Buzzsprout and have ever since the beginning. They make it really easy to get your podcast up on every major podcast platform. Their plans are affordable, even to us. Mm -hmm. And their customer service is really amazing. Yeah. Especially when I ask to speak to their managers. <laughs> 
if you're worried about fancy equipment, don't be. Our first episodes were recorded on our goddamn phones. Yes. When the time comes for you to introduce upgrades, you can find great guides on Buzzsprout as well. And it turns out that when we chose Buzzsprout a year and a half ago, we rarely were clairvoyant witches because they're now listed among the top podcast hosts out there. People in the background going, witchcraft. We're contractually obliged to say witchcraft once per episode. So if you do decide to give Buzzsprout a try, please consider using the link in the show notes for this episode. It'll give you guys a $20 Amazon gift card after two months of using a paid plan, and it helps to support our show as well. I think one of the things that saddens me is that people think that creativity is reserved for professionals. Yeah. Fuck that shit. Play an instrument, write poems, draw something, podcast about Mads Mikkelsen, please. Go to a dance class, learn calligraphy, do all those things. Or uh, one or two of those things. And tell us about it on Twitter at AwfulForeverPod or Instagram at AwfulForeverPodcast. Or send us a lengthy email containing all your opinions at AwfulForeverPodcast at gmail.com. Okay, I think the orphans have found us. Probably all that yelling I was doing. Yeah. Time to leave what might soon be the slaughterhouse. Oh shit. Okay, they've all signed up for Buzzsprout. Great. Oh no, like they're done. Quick, because it's that quick and easy to do. We better keep. We better leave quickly. Enjoy your gift cards, Alphans. So I'm going to leave hanging for the episode on executioners. In the meantime, though, there's being hung, drawn, and courted, which is believed to have come about in 1241 in Britain. Although in Europe, being courted by horses was a known punishment. Although I couldn't find when it originated. There's an English example from 1238, but I don't know if there's a continental version from earlier. Continental. The punishment involved having a horse attached to each of your arms and legs and then pulling you apart while still alive. (laughs) It's just so fucking brutal. Creative, Jess. Creative. Yes, creative. Chase your bliss. Yeah. Who thought of that? They were just sat there looking at a horse being like, you know, horses can pull a plow. What what would happen if you pull like a man there? Mildred? (laughs) So back to the hanging, drawing, and quartering. Here's the sentence in full, the the sentence that you give when somebody is sentenced, rather than the sentence I'm about to read, which is also a full sentence. Hmm. That you be led to the place from whence you came, and from thence be drawn upon a hurdle to the place of execution, and then you shall be hanged by the neck, and, being alive, shall be cut down, your privy members shall be cut off, and your entrails <gasps> taken out of your body, and you, living, the same to be burnt before your eyes, and your head to be cut off, your body divided into four quarters, and the head and four quarters to be disposed of at the pleasure of the king's majesty, and the lord have mercy on your soul. Oh my god. <laughs> and like, okay, but calm down, Greg. Yeah, relax about it. I mean, you could just kill someone very easily by the hanging itself. You don't have to do all the other fiddly bits. That just sounds like it would be a mess and it would take ages. Somewhere there's a medieval grey going, this is my art. (laughs) This is my design. No more, Jeff. I've been rewatching Hannibal. I need to do that. That's on the COVID-19 bingo where you rewatch an entire season of things. I just did Community (laughs) and now I feel like I need a palate cleanser with Hannibal. This was the crime for high treason. 
only for men, though, but we'll get on to the women. Mm. The hurdle that you'd be dragged upon was a simple wooden frame that you'd be drawn by attached to a horse. People who carried out the sentence were actually confused as to what the drawn part of the sentence was. Was it being drawn by the horse on the frame or was it having your entrails drawn out of you? Mm, yeah. So specific as that sentence was, I think it was not specific enough. But the symbolism of being dragged on a frame was that the convicted's, the convicted's feet were not worthy of touching the ground. Oh, <laughs> Once the victim reached the place of execution, they'd be hanged by the short drop method, which generally involves being hung by a rope from the gallows. But rather than jumping and having your neck snapped, you'd have the support beneath your feet being removed so that you slowly die of strangulation. Ugh. But before the convicted could die, they'd be cut down laid on a wooden bench and have their genitals chopped off and cast into the fire in front of their eyes. Oh my god. If they were unconscious from all that hanging around, they'd be woken up by a splash of water to the face, which I think would be the worst thing to wake up to. Yeah, I mean, all this is really bad, but I think that's the worst part, because you're just like, okay, mm. down I go, the end of the suffering, and then just like, splash, what the fuck? I hate being woken up just by, like, a gentle prod. <laughs> I was sleep. Oh, you <laughs> cut off my gentle. Like, oh, shit. Oh, this is still <laughs> going on, is it? All right. Wake up by a splash of water to the face. <sighs> Must be Monday. <laughs> then the entrails would be removed and burned again while the person was preferably still alive. And then finally the heart would be ripped out. How can you still be fucking alive by this point? <laughs> Splash of water to the face, Jess. It's medicine. Shit. Maybe that's what we should be doing in medical science. Get water on that <laughs> face. Keep people alive. I've got no heart, but I'm alive because I wanted to the face. I mean, they'd die at some point in the process. Like, sometimes maybe they'd be lucky and die of strangulation first. People used to try really hard to get their necks broken before yeah. the rest would happen. I imagine, like, wiggling around, yeah. Blood loss. But, you know, the, the goal was to keep them alive for as long as possible. The British were bad at math because the body would then be cut up into five pieces because you'd have the head chopped off and then the body would be courted. And if necessary, the four quarters of the victim would be taken off to separate corners of the kingdom to show the subjects that the monarch was not fucking around. <laughs> Just carrying a piece of flank, shoving it in people's faces, going, see? See? Look, this is Greg's leg. We told we told him not to do the thing. I don't know. He punched a swan. <laughs> Leave that swan alone. I know it's horrible and it is terrifying, <laughs> but do not punch it because it belongs to King Henry VIII. Fuck you. He's going to eat it later. <laughs> Leave it alone. The head would be displayed on the castle battlements or on London Bridge as a gnarly decoration. Trust me, you don't want to see Hazard Eight's Christmas tree come December. <laughs> to make sure that the seagulls didn't peck at the heads, they'd be parboiled in a big cauldron filled with spices in Newgate Prison, in a room specifically called Jack Ketch's Kitchen, because Jack Aww. Ketch was such a major fuck-up that Everything needs to be named after him. Oh no, I love it. I, I'm picturing him like, I don't know, like a bumbling kind of like Mr. Smee or, you know, LeFou kind <laughs> of guy. He's <laughs> just like, oh, like, oh, dad, I'll do my best. <laughs> 
I said that this was the punishment for high treason, but mostly only for unimportant, I mean, non-aristocratic people. Ah, yes. When the upper classes committed high treason, they were often sentenced to being hung, drawn, and quartered, but then the sentence would be commuted to death by beheading. There were exceptions. Like, those who signed the death warrant for Charles I were sentenced by Charles II, Charles the Grumpy, <laughs> to being hung, drawn, and courted in 1660. And a number of Catholics met with that fate between 1535 and 1681 for the crime of being Catholic, ditto the gunpowder plot conspirators. Yes. But over time, the British realized that maybe they were being... A little over the top. It's a bit much, a bit strong, isn't it, you know? It's not very British. Yeah. When the British are angry with you, they punish you by saying, fine, <laughs> fine, fine then, okay. No, it's fine. Don't worry about it. No, it's okay. No, just, just leave it. It's fine. It's fine. I'm not angry. And then presumably their victims explode in gore and glitter? Yes. Because of the sheer unexpressed fury of the British. The seething pot of boiling rage that we all are behind pretty accents. <laughs> What's that, mate? What's that, mate? Is it going to chop on? I'm going to kill ya! So by the 1800s, traitors were hanged until dead and then beheaded. And they kind of just brushed aside that whole genital and bowel removal and crude maths applied to the body thing. Mm. You know, just, just hanged until dead and then beheaded. That's two punishments. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's scary. Yeah, that's still good. And the last time that the sentence was ever applied in England was in the 1820s. So men were hung, drawn and quartered for acts of treason. But what about the women, I hear you ask, Jess? I am asking that. What happens to us when we commit acts of high treason? I want to know, because of my high treason to become the king, I'm going to have to do some uh, things. So what will befall me should I get caught, even though that's not going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> so it was considered indecent to mutilate a woman's body. And so, you know, gentle punishment. They were burned instead. Uh, I thought you were going to say, like... A nasty smelling scented candle to death or something, you know? Well, yes, when they were burned to death, they just piled Yankee candles around the stake. And then, you know, Muldrip would be like, oh, I don't think I'm really keen on the lavender. <laughs> you, you, you can't mix that with apple pumpkin spice. <laughs> and the executioner would be like, shut up. This is your execution. You have to deal with it. The blending of incompatible scents. <laughs> <laughs> no, every woman's nightmare. <laughs> Although, in addition to being burned for high treason, women could also be burned for petty treason, which included crimes such as forgery and killing their husbands. <laughs> forgery was petty treason because it usurped the monarch's power to make currency, while killing your husband was to murder your master, oh. just as the king is master over his people. Oh, for fuck's sake. And when women found out, they were like, oh, I guess I can't kill Greg. Well, he is a bastard, though. Often the executioner would take mercy on the victim and strangle her before the fire could get at her. Or if the fire was a really large, hot one, the carbon monoxide fumes would kill the victim before the flames could. It's just way more brutal than just, like, chopping a head off. There were sections that I read on the the killings in Spain during the Spanish Inquisition when they'd be burned of pyres that made me feel a little bit sick. Yeah. And mistakes happened at the stake. Uh -huh. <laughs> you could call it a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, edit that out. <laughs> I won't, though. Keep it in. 
It's in. Sometimes the executioner wasn't able to strangle the woman. Sometimes they just didn't bother. Sometimes the fire burns small and slow, resulting in a long and painful death. Mm, rains a lot in Britain. It's hard to get a good fire going, you know. But it wasn't just women who had the privilege of being burned at the stake. Men who converted to Judaism to marry Jewish women were burned for committing an unnatural offense. Oh, for fuck's sake. Sorry, Jewish woman. <laughs> And regarding what I said earlier about public execution being loaded with symbolism, heretics sent to the fire were forced to wear vestments or hats depicting devils in flames, <laughs> reminding everyone of the eternal fire that said heretics were going to. And when we finally sell merch, Jess, yes. I think that we need hell couture. Oh yes, we need that kind of like devilish flaming hat. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> wear something that you could be burned at the stake with. Yeah, wear something that you wouldn't mind going to your execution in. On the subject of heresy, Henry VIII's daughter Mary burned nearly 300 Protestants as heretics. Mm -hmm. She wasn't all bad, though, and allowed the sentenced to carry gunpowder on their person to bring about a quicker death. Oh my god, imagine if you had Which too much. Which is how I want to go. <laughs> yeah, just... <laughs> fucking explode <laughs> and also i'm gonna you know i'm gonna stick glitter in there so it's like a glitter bomb and everyone gets glitter on themselves for days it's gonna be fabulous as fuck you're walking up to the stake and they're like is that all gunpowder and you're like not all i'll never tell but even that didn't always work out mm. i'm going to read out a grisly section from henry moore's the history of the persecutions of the church of rome and complete protestant martyrology and it concerns the burning of John Hooper, the Bishop of Gloucester, in 1555. The place of execution was near a great elm tree over the College of Priests where he used to preach. The spot round about in the boughs of the trees was filled with spectators. The boughs of the trees, damn. Bishop Hooper then knelt down and prayed. Having closed his devotional exercises, the bishop prepared himself for the stake. He took off his doublet, hose, and waistcoat. Being now in his shirt, he trusted between his legs, where he had a pound of gunpowder in a bladder, wow. and under each arm the same quantity. Do you even lift? <laughs> he now went up to the stake, where three iron hoops were brought, one to fasten him round the waist, another round the neck, and another his legs. But he refused to be bound with them, saying, You have no need to trouble yourselves. I doubt not God will give me strength sufficient to abide the extremity of the fire without bands. Notwithstanding, suspecting the frailty and weakness of the flesh, but having assured confidence in God's strength, I am content you do as you think good. The iron hoop was then put round his waist, which being made too short, he shrank and put in his belly with his hand. But when they offered to bind his legs, his neck and legs, he refused, saying, I'm well assured I shall not trouble you. The British, even at the stake, they're like, no, 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 don't, don't mean, put yourself no. to any trouble, oh, it's, please. It's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. I, I really don't want to cause a fuss. <laughs> Being affixed to the stake, he lifted his eyes and hands to heaven and prayed in silence. The man appointed to kindle the fire then came to him and requested his forgiveness, of whom he asked why he should forgive him since he knew of no offence he had committed against him. Oh, sir, said the man, I am appointed to make the fire. Therein, said Bishop Hooper, thou dost nothing to offend me. God forgive thee thy sins, and do thy office, I pray thee. Then the reeds were thrown up, and he received two bundles of them in his own hands, and put one under each arm. Command was now given that the fire should be kindled. But owing to the number of green faggots, it was some time before the flame set fire to the reeds. 
the wind being adverse and the morning very cold because it's fucking Britain, Mm -hmm. the flames blew from him so that he was scarcely touched by the fire. Another fire was soon kindled of a more vehement nature. It was now the bladders of gunpowder exploded, but they proved of no service to the suffering prelates. He now prayed with a loud voice, Lord Jesus, have mercy upon me. Lord Jesus, have mercy upon me. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And these were the last words he was heard to utter. But even when his face was completely black with the flames and his tongue swelled so that he could not speak, yet his lips went until they shrank to the gums and he knocked his breast with his hands until one of his arms fell off and then continued knocking with the other while the fat, water and blood dripped out at his finger ends. At length, by renewing of the fire, his strength was gone and his hand fastened in the iron which was put round him. Soon after, the whole lower part of his body being consumed, he fell over the iron that bound him into the fire, amidst the horrible yells and acclamations of the bloody crew that surrounded him. This holy martyr was more than three quarters of an hour consuming, the inexpressible anguish of which he endured as a lamb, moving neither forwards, backwards, nor to any side, his nether parts were consumed, and his bowels fell out some time before he expired. Oh my god. So, it could go very wrong still, oh. even when you've got three pounds of gunpowder on you. Oh my god. That's, I, this is what, it just the burning to death is just the worst. I mean, I was always scared of my flesh being roasted and being like... Do you smell bark? Yeah. But, but it was so much worse. Also, I love the apology back and forth because that's so very British. I imagine like maybe the beginning of the execution took two hours because it's like, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to do this. No, no, no. I- I'm sorry to trouble you to have to do this. Oh, no, no, it is me. And then, it, you know, it just goes back and forth like that. And so eventually they're like, oh. I, I mean, oh, I mean, do you, oh, do you, oh, no, I, oh, I, I, oh, I, oh, 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 the last burning of a man took place in 1612. The last burning of a woman while alive was in 1726, mm. but women could still be hanged and then burned until 1789. The sentence was only formally abolished in 1790. What interests me is that amidst the craze for burning heretics, that witchcraft was considered a felony instead of a heresy in England. And even then, it was only in 1542 that it was officially made a felony. And it's Mostly because the English were quite dubious about the existence of witchcraft, with the exception of one or two blips. (laughs) (laughs) But overall, they managed to avoid the witch-hunting craze that infected Europe. Scotland, on the other hand... Oh, Scotland. Yay. So in England, there were 456 witchcraft cases heard in Essex, Hertfordshire, Surrey, and Sussex between 1559 and 1736. So that's really few, and only 24% of those cases were led to execution. England also didn't allow confessions of witchcraft to be extracted under torture, although we all know that they were more like guidelines, really. (laughs) Not so in Scotland. There are records of thumbscrews being applied to children around the age of seven. (gasps) 
And the more you can torture out a confession, the more confessions you get. Yeah, strange because it's, it's so effective. Fifty-five percent of witches brought to trial in Scotland were executed, and at least one thousand five hundred people burned for being witches. Scotland, fuck. Most Scottish witches were strangled before the flames could get to them. But others were burned quick, and by quick I mean alive. Mm. But I'll talk about witchcraft some other time. Always witches. So finally, as an honourable mention, I'm going to bring up Henry VIII one more time. Yay, please do. Always, <laughs> always, always. Did you know that he's responsible for executing 72,000 people? <laughs> Which, Cawthorn notes, is an average of five people per day. <laughs> Imagine every day of his reign. He just rolled out of bed and was like, you! <laughs> <laughs> I think that he wanted dinner entertainments, yeah. but also breakfast, second breakfast, lunch, and dessert entertainments. Yeah. Don't forget brunch. That's when you get real <laughs> drunk. And then he was just like, you know, throwing executions around like all over the place. Off with his head! <laughs> Oh, I love that man. When he ran out of wives, he was just onto the British populace. Yeah, <laughs> crying. <laughs> you. Thank you. He also introduced the punishments of being boiled alive. Oh, come on, <laughs> Henry. As a punishment for poisoning, so don't fuck with food, my friends. Yes. <laughs> Another punishment for poisoning at the time was being fried, literally on a large frying pan with a frying pan handle. Wow. Do you think do you think when he did that he was just really hungry and was like mm, <laughs> frying? Or he probably like looked at somebody and was like, fry him. <laughs> and then they were like, you mean the servant, my lord? And he was like, no. Bacon. And then they just got confused. They were excruciatingly protracted ways of dying, as the flesh could be cooked from the bone before the organs would suffer. Oh, God. Although I feel that surely the victim must have died from shock first, but what do I know? I haven't cooked anybody. <laughs> Insert Hannibal joke here. <laughs> Until finally, Henry's son Edward, in his very brief time as king, was like, No, Dad, you can't just cook people. And changed the sentence for poisoning back to hanging. Oh, good. Good old Eddie. That's the only thing you did. Fuck you. Well done. We don't boil people anymore. <laughs> And we haven't ever since. And that's English execution for you, mostly. I'll cover a little bit more in my next episode on executioners, but I think the English were creative as it went. I especially liked the boiling and the frying. <laughs> I just came out of fucking nowhere. It's like, why? You've already got execution methods. You don't need more. I wonder what was going through Henry's head at the time. Yeah. It wasn't even Henry that was poisoned. It was, it was a completely different case. <laughs> but something made him be like, well, bring out the cauldron. <laughs> oh, God. That's so good. That's my favorite part. <laughs> Speaking of boiling people alive, some yeah. things are nice sometimes. What's happened to you, Jess, that has been really nice? Nothing! I mean, because it's so hard. We're just in fucking doors. Nothing's happening. So, like, you don't have any <laughs> nice things. It, the weather was nice the other day. <laughs> <laughs> True English. Yeah. No, because it's rare when it's sunny and warm and it was, like, 20 degrees or so. This is honestly why something is nice sometimes, because we don't do anything, because, fuck, <laughs> it's it's the end times, and so nothing is happening. It was just like I ate my lunch outside, which was lovely. 
and then I had a really nice dog walk because it was sunny and warm and it was just that kind of like nice breeze to cool you down so it wasn't too hot. And the I sun liked it. touched your translucent skin. Yes, and then it burned a little bit, but then I huddled closer under my cloak and the brim of my witch's hat. Kind of shadowed me enough. So then I, when I went into my ritual of shrieking into the woods, I was all... <laughs> shaded and nice that sounds very pleasant mm. i prefer a rainy day which which is why i moved to scotland yeah because when it's sunny my neighbors come out oh gross and i i don't want to see them but i'm glad that you had your sunny warm day yeah like our neighbor's dog rollo is constantly getting out because their gate's broken and so it's kind of nice he comes up to our to our gate like calling on kiva like can kiva come out to play and yeah we let them play and then went over and distantly chatted to the neighbor a bit like oh we've got your dog again <laughs> can you fix your gate because this is really dangerous but it was nice we chatted and it was sunny and that's it. Yeah, lovely sun. Makes me happy. I'm like, I don't know, from like a plant or I'm very weather activated. Like the weather just dictates what my mood is going to be like. And I feel like I just can't really be glum when it's sunny. If you were a plant, I feel that you'd be a snappy one. I want to be a Venus flytrap, yes. I can see it. Yeah. I think I'd be one of those really smelly jars of death. But yeah, I like that we both went for the carnivorous plants. Like, we're not going to be like, I'm <laughs> a rose because I'm pretty, but I've got thorns. It's like, no, we want to eat small frogs and just smell <laughs> like fucking death. Every woman's dream. That's us for today, I guess. Bye! Obligatory closing statements.